Welcome to episode 14 of Talk Commerce, where we talk about how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce. This week, we interview Thomas Fleck with Oro Commerce. We discuss B2B stores and how a platform built for B2B can give maximum ROI to the merchant. Oro Commerce enables business growth through its open source platform focused on B2B and CRM. We discuss Meet Magento Germany and how it started. We also go over Blue Gento and how it was effective in launching stores quickly for Universal Music Group. This episode was recorded on May 17, 2021. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. This episode is sponsored by Magento Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth serving the world as an Adobe Gold Partner and Big Commerce Elite Partner. Wigento, the code of commerce. This episode is sponsored by Eway Corporation, the partner of choice for technology, infrastructure, and enterprise-level digital solutions, an AWS Select Consulting Partner, Eway Corporation, forward together. Welcome to Talk Commerce. I have Thomas Fleck live from Leipzig, Germany here. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about Bluegento, Oro Commerce, the state of the Magento community, and wherever our minds wander after that. So Thomas, why don't you introduce, introduce yourself and tell us what you're doing. And Yeah, thanks to Brent for inviting me to your show. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's uh, not that common that I'm on podcasts or radio shows, so uh, I'm happy to be here. Uh, quick introduction. So my name is Thomas Fleck. Um, I'm working in e-commerce since the end of the 90s. So in my early days, I had to explain people what the internet is. So the younger folks among us might not remember these times. Um, then I got early in contact with Magento. I um, somehow helped to build the ecosystem. The Meet Magento idea somehow uh, started here in Leipzig and then spread across the world. And I think this is how we met, friend. Um, yeah, and it was an interesting ride. And now uh, Magento has grown up, is part of Adobe. It's uh, time to uh, reconsider the situation. I, for myself, uh, decided to join Oro, <laughs> uh, the new product from the former Magento founder, Joab. Uh, it's great pleasure to be in this team again. I think we can talk about it later. And then among, or let's say along the many years of Magento work, we developed a bunch of ideas. One of them is Bluegento. It's kind of a semi-product now. And... Happy to share some some of the ideas behind it. Great. Yeah, welcome to the show. And I'm excited to talk about some of these things. So just to give uh, the listeners some background, Bluegento is a platform that helped originally on Magento One, helped users to launch a Magento store without having to have a developer involved or something like that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, maybe I can uh, best explain it with uh, telling a little story. So back in the days when Magento had the idea of Magento Go, 
uh, Shopify-like offering for very small merchants. Uh, we were involved in translating it into the in, into German and to help to introduce it to the German market. But as everyone knows, uh, at some point Magento Go was stopped, and we thought maybe this is an opportunity for a different product. And this was the time when we had the idea for Bluegento. So in the very early days, Bluegento was kind of an alternative or um, follow-up product to Magento Go. Uh, silly as we were, we did not understand that it's really hard to make money in the low end of the market, especially when you are a startup and not, uh, let's say, having the marketing power of Shopify. So after about a year or so, we decided, oh, it's not a good idea. So we wanted to close it. And at this time, I got a call uh, from uh, Bob Schwartz, the former president of Magento, who said, okay, maybe there is an opportunity for you guys. Uh, long story short, he got us in contact with Universal Music and they had the problem that they wanted to launch, let's say, basically a merchandising store for each of their artists. And uh, Magento's multi-store capabilities was one option and having a separate instance for each artist was another option. And basically the second option was the use case for Bluegento. So it's a tool that can help you to spin up multiple instances with the same repository. And so a project that almost died uh, got us in contact with Universal Music. We created a bunch of stores and uh, you're still laughing uh, or smiling, Brent, but I know that you had some hard times working with it in the early days. Yeah, so this is the story of Bluegento. From there, uh, we uh, thought maybe Magento and Magento One isn't enough. So we developed it further in a direction where you now can spin up whatever application that hosts or sits in a Docker container. So it's kind of a tool set for agencies that help you to spin up uh, applications and Docker environments. Okay. And it comes with a bunch of uh, nice features like uh, central management dashboard with a single sign-on with, uh, let's say, a cost uh, estimator that you can see how much you are spending on Amazon or other cloud system. Yeah, maybe one crucial idea is also being cloud agnostic. So initially it was built for AWS, uh, but we created an open architecture that you can write your own driver and it can also be... Uh, used with Azure, with Google Cloud, or whatever, let's say, Docker environment you want to choose. Okay. Yeah, and the, I'm only smiling because I was I was involved in that project, and uh, I did talk to Bob Schwartz before he called you, and, and it seemed like a, it is a perfect solution for what they wanted to do. I think the complication uh, with Universal Music is that even, <clears throat> even though we launched 200 more than 200 stores, um, every store is, is really directed and managed by an individual artist manager who has their own idea of what it should be. And uh, it got very complicated and, and still very expensive very quickly, <laughs> no matter how you did it. <laughs> right. And, and I, I, think I don't think, yeah, I don't think it was the platform. I think it was more the it was more the uh, end users that were trying to push it beyond what it what what it what it could do in in the framework that they wanted. 
I think this is a good analysis. And also, I think what we learned the hard way uh, that the, uh, I think there are a lot of problems to tackle this universal with such a use case. So one dimension was we want to have many shops as fast and as quick as possible, but also with a certain level of uh, individual or customization. And the way I describe it, you also figure out that there is not an easy answer to this. So you can make it very simple, but it done, it's not very customizable or you make it very customizable, but then it becomes more difficult to use. And the other dimension is we needed to scale, not just by the number of stores, but also within one store instance. So I remember that we had, uh, I think uh, Lady Gaga or some other stores where the artist was uh, tweeting, hey, I have a new CD or I have a new uh, album. And then the next 10 minutes or 30 minutes, we had millions of people in the store. So we need to scale it very quickly and on multiple dimensions. And so the, the, the Plugento basic idea uh, was trying to solve too many problems at once. And therefore, uh, we are just uh, holding it a little bit and shaping it to figure out what is the real let's say, core use case that provides the most benefit, not just for Universal, but for other customers as well. Yeah, and I, the key point there, and if you look at what, so you know, Universal really ended up going to Shopify and, and in, they did buy a Shopify agency. So I think the writing was on the wall anyways, but the ironic part of that is they went to Shopify and they can't do all the things they wanted to do on Magento because they're on Shopify. But when they're on Magento, they insisted and wanted to do all the things they wanted to do because they could do it. So the lesson there is if you tell, if you tell an artist or an artist manager, this is what you can do, this is what's possible, they'll say, then I want that then it doesn't matter to them what the cost is. Uh, it only matters that they could possibly have it. If you tell them, no, they can't have it, then it's fine. They'll take what they can get. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm not sure if this translates well into English, but I think the most liberating answer is no. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So, so I mean, I, 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 I struggle with this all the time where people are enthralled with, with Shopify and the fact that they call it easy. The only reason it is the way it is, is because you can't do everything that you want to do with it. You can only do certain things. It's just like your yard is only so big. You can only play in this small section of the yard because there's a fence around it. With right. Magento, really your yard is the entire world. You can do whatever you want. You could even go to the moon. With so Shopify, is... you could, if you're lucky, you can go across the street, but most of the time you're stuck in the front yard. <laughs> this is a good metaphor. But what might add to this is, I think you can, with everything, also think of open source like a two-sided metal. So one is the endless options or possibilities. So you can do whatever you want if you have an open source system. And this is true for Magento, Shopware, Oro Commerce, every open source system is, let's say, unlimited possibilities. The catch is just because you can do it doesn't mean you have to do it. <laughs> and sometimes, especially if you're a little bit uh, unexperienced or maybe not digital ready or how you 
want to describe it without without sounding arrogant uh, sometimes it's better to put some some fences or boundaries around your project not to get lost yeah and i i think if you remember it was uh, the 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 person in charge of the project was really stuck in a hard position um i won't mention his name <laughs> but he, and he's not there anymore but he was stuck between the artist managers the the person the digital vice president and then the technology and the costs that were involved in trying to do it and I, we don't have to get into the technology but i i sympathize with you on the scalability of trying to do that with that that exact scenario lady gaga drops an album and all of a sudden you need 30 servers because of the traffic. Um, before we went to Blugento on UMG, we were managing it by ourselves. It was even more difficult then because we physically had to, well, we had to make a, a group, a scale group or whatever you call it in you, uh, AWS. I should know that, but, um, uh, but you also would like to have known that the artist is going to do an, a, some kind of Instagram post that's going to bring in 3,000 users or 30,000 users or 300,000 users in advance so you could scale. Um, I think our biggest, um, our biggest excitement was we, we were told an artist uh, was going to, I think it was like Selena Gomez, we were told that, uh, she, that she was going to do an Instagram post at 3 p.m. on a Thursday and we should expect 3,000 users so we warmed up a couple extra servers, and then within 10 minutes, we had 30,000 concurrent users on the site and, and growing, and we were you know, just <laughs> scrambling to make sure that the scalability was there. It all worked out in the end, but you know, there, is a, there is a time frame in which AWS can spin up new devices that at some point, the incoming traffic can't keep up with the, with the growth or how fast AWS can spin up. I was just looking up our internal notes. Uh, so I have some figures and I think uh, we are not longer in, uh, on Magento, so we can share some numbers. It was uh, J. Cole, and I think we had up to 30,000 concurrent connections at one point. So I think these are massive numbers. <clears throat> and as you described, it's not about the technology, it's also a little bit about the planning. So it's still physical hardware that is somehow, let's say, running below the surface and there are some physical limitations. I also remember that we had a call with AWS uh, that they informed us about some bandwidth limitations in their data centers. <laughs> and I think uh, if you reach the point that AWS reaches out to you and explain you some limitations of their hardware, then you got somewhere. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so and that and was- just, just to be fair, I, I think it's also a bit of, uh, how you uh, organize such a setup. So uh, we also recommended to run in multiple uh, data centers and not just in one data center. And by the way, this is something that you can do with a Docker environment and with a distributed, uh, let's say, uh, setup. Uh, but then for some legal restriction, we were um, told that we should have it all in one data center. And again, this is always a trade-off of what is uh, legally compliant and what is technically uh, making a lot of sense. 
Yeah, that that brings up a good question because in Germany, isn't there some laws around where your data has to be stored? So you're are are some of are you restricted to being in Germany itself if you have a German website, or can you be anywhere? Uh, it's a good question. I'm I'm supposed to give a good answer on this, but I do not know all the details. And I think uh, for the people outside of the European Union, it's more European law. And it's more about uh, data protection and data, data privacy. So if you are running a website, uh, it's safe to do it wherever you want in the European Union, because then your data or the data of your customer stay within the European Union. If you move data out of the European Union, then you need to follow some special, let's say, requirements. So it's not impossible, but it makes your life way harder. So. Okay. Uh, and I think if you uh, want to do business from outside of Europe, then I think it's a good advice to uh, put your server on a data center somewhere within Europe, because this can save you a lot of hassle. There are a lot of regulation around it. I think you might have heard a privacy shield and stuff like this. I do not want to go into details. It, right. I would say it is annoying as all the cookie banners that you are clicking away every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, let's move on to Oro Commerce. Uh, uh, I know Yoav, and uh, um, I, I, I have played around with the original CRM, and I believe Akinio kind of branched out of that project. Is that correct? Sorry, can you repeat your question? Did Akinio branch out of the Oro CRM thing that happened originally, or is it completely separate? You mean Akinio, the PIM system? Yeah. As far as under I am, sorry? No, go ahead. So, so my understanding is, and maybe I'm saying it wrong, so hopefully uh, people will correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, when Oro started, they had the vision to build a better product, of course, and they started with building the Oro platform. So Oro platform is an application development framework that, that gives you all the tools that you need to build a application on top of it. One application that was built on top of it was Oro CRM in the first place. And also Akinio was built in the early days on the Oro application framework. So I think if you look in Akinio, you still see some, let's say, uh, stuff that will remind you on Oro. Uh, as far as I understood, Akinio uh, got a bit more traction in the beginning, so they wanted to move faster than Oro did. And therefore, at some point, they, let's say, I'm not saying went off the platform, but they found ways to develop it on their own and not completely on Oro's platform. Okay. I, I can't say if it's still elements of Oro in there or if they have chosen to have now a complete uh, separate platform. This is uh, not to my knowledge. Just with Oro, uh, so the second product after CRM, or the third, if you consider platform a product, uh, is Oro Commerce. And Oro Commerce uh, has the CRM product as its core. So basically, Oro Commerce is built around the CRM. So you can still buy both products, but if you buy Commerce, you basically get the CRM with you or with it. Okay. And you might ask, so what made me uh, consider joining uh, Oro? <laughs> so last year, uh, we uh, 
my agency net research we we were thinking about what is the next platform that we want to invest in so we saw that the days of magento uh, i'm not saying coming to an end but they are moving into direction where is it more let's say very huge enterprises within the adobe uh, ecosystem and uh, I like the Adobe ecosystem, but uh, my company is very open source minded. And so we decided Adobe is probably not the best fit for us. Some people might come to another uh, conclusion, but we decided that Adobe uh, might not be a best place for net research when we are focused on open source. And then we did a bit of research. Everyone knows that shopware here in Germany is very strong. We also uh, did some shopware implementations but we were missing uh, an answer to the question how you can handle B2B uh, solutions. I know that Magento has some B2B functionality, Shopware is uh, working on their enterprise B2B functionalities, but it's different if you come from a B2C and you add B2B, or if you use a product that is built from its core for the B2B use case. Yeah, so I got in contact with you again and. We, uh, we spoke a little bit about it and I had the feeling that there was not much traction in the German market. And you know that I can be pretty bothering or annoying if, if, if I'm not convinced that it's going into the right direction. And at some point he said, okay, yeah, you made some good points, but who is going to execute on it? <laughs> and so he put me on the spot and I said, okay, oh, why not? So maybe uh, this is a similar opportunity as we had back in 2008, 2009, when Magento was new to the market. So I decided by the beginning of the year, so why not? And uh, joined Oro as the vice president sales for the DAC region. Uh, it's a tough challenge. It's a complete different market. So do not expect to have a meet Oro. I think we will have a complete different approach here. <laughs> uh, but it's great fun to work with the people again. So I definitely believe in this vision of enabling or connecting people through commerce. So this is very well resonating with my personal, let's say, goals. Great. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I haven't, I, I've definitely worked with and installed and ran the Oro CRM. Uh, I'm not super familiar with Oro Commerce. Um, I do know that it's B2B first. So give us a little um, highlight on Let's just see. Let's just say why a B two B user or uh, a typical B two B company would would want to go with Oro. Okay, so I, I would say what we discussed before with an open source solution, you can build whatever you want. So I think if you want to build a B two B solution with Magento or with Shopware, it's no problem to do it. But the question is. Do you always want to do it by yourself or you just take something that is out of the box? And just to give you a few, I would say, killer features uh, in B2B is that you usually are not uh, selling to one buyer, but you're selling to an organization. So this is the main difference. So the buyer is not a person. The buyer is an organization and the organization might have a different structure like the main company, a subsidiary, a department and then someone in this department is making a decision and sometimes the decision is not just made by one person but a kind of a workflow like someone is filling the list or the basket and someone is making the checkout so it's a way more complex process and yes you can build it 
whenever you want. But if you have a tool set where you just click it together, then it is way easier. Yeah. Okay. Or another thing is, let's say, in a B2B scenario, you sometimes, it's not so much the experience of finding and deliver, or let's say, evaluating a product. In most use cases, you already know what you want to buy and you want to buy it as efficient as possible. Give you an example, if you are producing, for example, a machinery or electronic part, then you might want to buy 500 line items or you have a list with 500 line items and you want to buy 500 line items at once. So you are not going to put everything in a basket. You want to upload an Excel sheet or you want to upload a CSV file or whatsoever. And you want to see the prices of 500 items in the next second. And then you want to order it or you want to request for quote. And this is just a few examples that might give you a glimpse why it makes sense to have a closer look into OHO if you are in the B2B field. Right. Or another good example is this complete um, idea of a marketplace. If you have multiple sellers and you want to have them managed on your kind of marketplace. So just a little spoiler or uh, Oro just launched a new product called Oro Marketplace that is addressing a specific, especially this use case. But even with the standard commerce product, you are able to add marketplace functionalities to your uh, e-commerce installation. And okay. My, so, so what I see, I think we have mainly two use cases. So one is what I call the eBay use case where the core business of the marketplace provider is running a marketplace. So eBay is not selling products itself. It's just, let's say, making a business out of the commission and listing fees and whatever. And then the second type of marketplace is the Amazon type. So Amazon is a merchant, but they allow other merchants to sell on their platform. And depending on your business model, at least from, from my point of view, I see an increasing demand of Amazon-like business models that you have a strong merchant who wants to open up its platform to become kind of a marketplace in its branch or niche or however you want to call it. And if you have such an requirement and you want to do it with Shopware or with um, Spryker, yeah, you can do it with Spryker, but, but it comes with certain challenges. And I think uh, it's definitely worth having a closer look into Oros and Oros capabilities. Uh, we have a few implementations in this regard and with the new product, we are tackling a bunch of these problems like uh, split payments, uh, split baskets, workflows and stuff like this. So uh, I think definitely uh, worth having a look into it. Yeah, I think that, so as an agency, one of, and, and as an agency who does business in India, one of our biggest requests is always, can we make Magento into a marketplace? Uh, and um, uh, how well is that going to work? And I, I guess, to be completely honest and transparent, Magento doesn't work well as a marketplace. Uh, at you this said time, it. you said it. <laughs> at this time, it doesn't work that well, and it doesn't. It doesn't always scale well as you add store views, and, and it. Well, you're exactly right. It doesn't have that functionality at its core. So, trying to make it just going back to the universal challenge, the universal music challenge. 
ideally we would have had a central code base and then a thousand stores on that central code base. Right. But the reality was that it wasn't possible because of the way the software was written. It made a lot more sense to have a thousand stores independently running, right. which then you lose some, you lose some efficiency in, in code management in that case, which a SaaS would gain. Uh, so it sounds like Oro has tackled that problem on the marketplace. That's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and again, so the product or the Oro marketplace product is brand new. It came out two weeks ago. And um, so I think there will be more announcement and more information about this. But even with the Oro commerce product, you have the, uh, it's called um, business units. Because of the CRM structure at its core, you can, let's say, create these independent business units. And these independent business units can act as a vendor or uh, a second or third merchant on this marketplace. And I, I think you and I, we are long enough in this business, so uh, you probably won't get from me this, yes, Oro is the best product for every use case. So this would be a lie. But I think there are... Uh, especially in B2B, a lot of use cases where definitely Oro has its advantages if it's not the best for this specific use case. And I think a good agency is always doing a good business analysis in the beginning and then can give a good recommendation if Oro makes sense for this use case or if it's not a good fit, then there are plenty of other good solutions out there. Yeah, and again, as an agency, um, it is always a challenge to navigate with other platforms when you offer another platform. And with and you are exactly right. I, and I think Adobe has 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 made it clear that maybe that Adobe is that Magento and Adobe are not the best solution for every single uh, situation. Um, and certainly in the last couple of years. Adobe has pushed us up market quite a bit. So <laughs> let's, let's face it, the, the, um, the mom and pop store is not at the moment, again, not the solution for an Adobe. It can be, but it's not the perfect solution. Um, and I, I, I think you bring, you, you bring up a really good point and a really good reality in our market that there should be these other solutions that have a better uh, that are better for a merchant than another solution. So uh, Spryker and, and Oro and Shopware and Magento and Shopify and BigCommerce are all, all competing in a space that all have a, have a good solution. And I suppose BigCommerce and Shop, or Shopify are the biggest ones that are in direct competition uh, in their space. Um, but I, I think that you, you bring up some very good points about Oro. I, I think, let's say, some people might expect in my role as a VP of sales, I should be more aggressive in selling the product. But uh, I believe in the long run, uh, if you sell the product to the wrong customer or not having the right or the ideal customer profile, uh, it's not making you any money. So you might make some money in the beginning, but further down the road, uh, it costs you more than it gets you in the beginning. So our idea at Oro is to have a long-term relationship with our customer. It's a subscription. It's quite expensive. So it's more of an investment uh, decision than of, hey, let's quickly launch a store. It's more like we want to enable our customers to digitize their sales force. 
And I think this is also a, a positioning that we do not want to replace an existing sales force. We just want to make the existing sales force more efficient. Uh, we do not want to replace the human beings in the sales force because there might be use cases where a machine is buying from another machine. But I think especially in the German Mittelstand where you selling machineries or very, let's say, complex uh, products, in the end of the day, people are making the buying decision. They want to make it as efficient as possible. No one wants to enter a long, let's say, number in an SAP system. In the end, they want to discuss with people. On the other, so, so, so I try to, let's say, take the selling process apart from what is the, let's say, let's call it the transaction. If I have this list of 500 items, no one wants to type in 500 line items and then give you a price. Or I do not want to read you a price by looking in my SAP system and say, okay, this item costs you this, this, or this. Or is it available, yes or not? Therefore, you do not need any human beings. But if you come and say, is this part made for the use case that I have in mind? Or do you recommend this to me? Then you probably rather talk to another human being instead of, let's say, figuring this out with Google. And if this is your mindset, like enabling salespeople and making salespeople more efficient, then you are a good customer for Oro. If you want to replace your salespersons, yeah, you can do it with Oro, but maybe then uh, another solution might work better for you. Sure. Okay. That's good. Um, all right. So you did, uh, you did um, venture into a little bit of the community and uh, you said you're not going to set up a meet Oro, but uh, do you have any, any community plans around the Oro ecosystem? Uh, yes, for sure. So I think uh, an open source product and at its core, Oro is an open source company and needs to have an ecosystem. So I'd rather speak about an ecosystem than a community. Uh, my, by my definition, the ecosystem is, let's say, every stakeholder in this game. So this can be technology partners, it can be uh, agencies, it can be whoever is somehow engaged in this, let's say, ecosystem or environment. And the community is more like the people who are actually doing the coding and it's more like the developer community. I know this is a bit blurry by the definition, uh, but I think we definitely need to improve our ecosystem. I was joking about this uh, Meet Oro because a lot of people ask me, so, uh, hey, you created a Meet Magento and now you are with Oro, you're creating a Meet Oro. And I said, okay, I think it's a, a different situation. The B2B market is also working differently. So I think we need to come up with other answers. So stay tuned and uh, let's <laughs> see what we are coming up with. Okay. Yeah, so, you, tell, you know, I'm, I think that I'm, I, I love Meet Magentos. Uh, I love coming to Leipzig for Meet Magentos. And I, they're going to be in now, as I understand it, they're going to probably be in Munich. But um, tell us about a little bit about a history of Meet Magento. Huh. What to say about Meet Magento? Yeah, at, at some point, I remember the discussion that I had with Roy and Joachim in the early days of Magento. And they said, okay, uh, we want to expand to Europe and especially to the Dach region. So what can we do here? And back then I had already some experiences with creating events around open source uh, systems. So what I saw is most of the open source software tools had kind of 
developer events, but there was a kind of gap that developers also want to talk to the users of the software. So it, people were mainly thinking in their silos. So the marketing people were going to any marketing conference and the developer people were going to a developer event. And the idea was how we can bridge this gap and how we can get them together because the better the developers understand what the marketing or sales people want, the better they can build the products and vice versa. So I think you, you in this industry and sometimes they are speaking the same language, <laughs> but they don't understand or speak about different topics. And so the, the basic idea was to enable people and to connect people. And it sounds that we somehow managed to do a good job. So uh, I always try to combine the business with some fun. So you also remember the Developers Paradise event. So yeah, it was always quite fun to connect people. And let's say learning by doing and uh, meeting people is a good thing. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. And, uh, you know, my, my memories, typically from any Meet Magento event and Meet Magento Germany isn't always the talks. But it's more about the people we meet and the runs we go on and the little bit sometimes tell, the after parties. I, um, I can tell you a story. So I spoke with you can imagine this more than 100 or hundreds of people. Why are they going to a developer event, meet my gentle event and whatsoever. And what I'm saying now, it's just a bit of a joke. So don't take it uh, too serious. But let's say if they go to their boss and say, okay, I want to go to Germany or to US and I just want to hang around with nice people, share ideas and have some drinks. What do you think would the boss say? Would they get travel permission? Would they get a budget? No. So let's say the talks are just the excuse to be on such events, but all the magic happens outside of the talks because all the talks I can watch on YouTube, I can see a webinar, so there is no value in listening to a talk on a conference. Sorry for saying this. There are just very few, very entertaining people on stage. And if you have such people, it's great. But most of the time, let's say the most value is on the floor, at the bar, because it's about connecting people. It's not about learning something that you have never heard before. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Or even it, it could be more about being introduced to something that you didn't know about and then continuing that conversation later right. with people at the bar or right. in but your even 6 this, say, run. <laughs> if you, if you uh, remember all the funny things that we did around Dimension. So early in the morning, jumping on a bus, going to big dam run. If you talk to someone in the bus, how likely is it you also meet him later on or you listen to him very carefully compared to two hours later, you sit in a room and you're listening and you're fading out because you partied hard last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to have to make a, um, I've always made a, why should your boss send you to this event? And uh, that's a much better point. How, maybe I should do a post about how to explain to your boss why you need to go to this event. And here's all the extra benefits that you're going to get out of it. <laughs> maybe I can, I can share you a little bit of an experience that I had this year, because uh, as we all know, at the moment, it's not possible to organize a meet a event or go to imagine. And I think we all feel bad about it. 
And I played a little bit around with organizing virtual events. So I was watching and attending about 25 virtual events last year to see what went fine and what was not really good. And I do not want to go into all details, uh, but my learning is that people really want to talk to each other. They want to share their ideas and it's better to, uh, let's say, provide a stage for this and not so much about all the fancy stuff like or sending out chocolate or sending out wine and make a wine tastery. All great ideas. But basically, if you are boring me, I drink the wine and shut up. <laughs> yeah. But let's say if you have something interesting to tell or if you are opening up your thought process, I will listen to you and I will listen to you even if the image is not as good as it might be. I think this is also a huge or an explanation for the clubhouse stuff. You have to be there. You don't see the other person. So it's not about the best image quality or the best uh, whatever equipment that you have. It's about, is it an interesting topic? Is the other person, let's say, sharing insights or is it something that they produce for record and then I can listen whenever I want? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, I can think about some of the earlier events that I went to and uh, having some entertainment and having some interaction with other people was definitely a thing that made it much more worthwhile than sitting in front of a person droning on about some topic that you may or may not be interested in. Even the, the sneaks, so the Adobe Summit was, was great to watch, but I think the, the format they did was sneaks and having a celebrity kind of do the interaction. And I think having a celebrity that was fairly clueless about the technology helped help the sneaks process. I don't know if you watch sneaks at Adobe, but um, it, it, it helped it. It helped the average user to be a little bit more involved in the solution that the geeky tech person was presenting. Right. Let's just say it uh, that way. Yes. And I think you're completely right. Uh, and again, I was a bit of, let's say, oversimplifying it and let's say making it to an extreme point. I think there is value to have a stage. There is value in having a moderator and guide you through this process because you have all different kinds of people and you, you want to address a, a very broad audience. But I mean, what I saw is also, there was a kind of a arms race in getting the biggest hotel, getting the best paid or the best star and making the most amazing fireworks or whatsoever. But this, only has a certain value. I think at the core, an event is about connecting people and sharing ideas. And, and, and I think maybe Corona helps us to get down to these core values again. Yeah, I agree. All right, well, we don't have a lot of time left. So um, why, don't, uh, why don't you give us a shameless plug that you would like to, to promote about, uh, about yourself or about Oro or whatever? <laughs> Actually, I think I was shameless enough so far. <laughs> so uh, I think everyone knows by now that uh, Oro is the best product in the market. <laughs> <laughs> and that you definitely should uh, follow my uh, LinkedIn and Twitter feeds, uh, not just to be pro politically provoked, but also to be uh, up to date what's coming up next with events and uh, ecosystem. Great. And I will... Um... I'll put all the notes in, in, the, in the show notes on here just so people have your contact information and have 
the URL website so they can review that. Um, my shameless plug is that uh, from an event standpoint, we are planning a, a hackathon in Orlando, Florida in January of 2022. Um, okay. Right now, you know, I we're tempted. <laughs> yeah. Even if I'm not uh, developing. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, so I, I just want to say that um, originally, uh, Magento U, which, which I was involved in, always had an, a, a spring event. The person who managed it, his name was Peter Manichek. He loved, he, we always did one event in Florida and then he did one in Boston in, Jan, in July. Um, and it was so much fun and we got so much stuff done. And then I'm not a big Disney World fan, but a lot of people are big Disney World fans. So people would stay, they would go to the park at night or whatever. So I think it, I don't know why, I don't know why there hasn't been a Magento event in Orlando already, but it seems like the perfect time and if you've ever been to Minnesota in the winter, it's the perfect time not to be in Minnesota. <laughs> okay. So th yeah, that's so... my shameless plug. <laughs> okay. But, but maybe uh, we use the last uh, few minutes because I also, or well, I'm interested in your take on the Magento ecosystem and the Magento, uh, let's say, community. I think we both were or are a huge uh, part of it for a very long time. So I got not so much involved over the last couple of uh, years but I still am in contact with a lot of people. So I would be interested in uh, your perspective, how you see it and which way it's going. Yeah, you know, I think to be honest, it, it has felt a little stagnant. There hasn't been a lot of energy in the community. And part of that is, let's just be honest, it, it is getting more commercial and there's less, there's less open in the open source in Magento. Um, I think this new theme has is, is, is added a little energy, the Haifa theme that's come out of, uh, of, um, out of Germany that, that is adding a little bit of fuel to it. Um, so it, I, I'm just going to say it is to be seen. We'll, we're going to see what Adobe, how Adobe treats Magento community, if they foster it. I think we saw when, uh, when eBay came along, they almost ruined the Magento community. <laughs> And there was a real like. I'm not sure what you're referring to. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, but I, I think I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm hoping that we have some revitalization. I think it's going to take uh, community organizers who get behind some of these small events to put on something that's more fun. And I think you're exactly right. It doesn't have to be the bigger and better event. And I I have certainly fallen into that trap. Um, Or you think, oh, if it's going to be 150 people, then you should have 300 people. If it's 300 people, then you need 600 people. Um, it's not about the size of the audience. It's about the experience that they have at the event. One question that I'm thinking about and have not found an answer yet and, and would like you to get your thoughts on this, uh, because... We all know that uh, Ben Marks, one of the, let's say, uh, key figures in the Magento ecosystem or community, uh, moved on to Shopware. And I know that a lot of people followed or have been uh, to Shopware before. And I also see some other people going, let's say, across all dimensions, like being in Magento, being in Typo 3 here in Germany is a very famous uh, content management system, or WordPress, or... So it's not like one dimension. So you do not have to pick your camp 
and say, okay, I'm with Magento and nothing else. And so my question is, do you see a development more towards, a, let's say, topic-oriented event, for example, like open source and development? Okay, this is maybe too boring or too wide, but maybe to say open source and e-commerce. And if you are in open source and e-commerce, this could be a shopware Oro Aquino from the PIM angle, or maybe even uh, some other tools that you need to stick it all together. But we have all, let's say, a, sh a shared idea or common ground about values and what we want to achieve for a customer. So, so not sure how to phrase it better than this. You see, it's still a bit of a brain dump, what I'm, I'm telling you. It's not, not a good question yet. <laughs> No, I, I agree with you. I think the challenge has been the commercial side of thing. And if you want to break even on an event, you need to have sponsors. And if you have sponsors, there needs to be, the sponsors would like to have as much of a direct theme to the conference as possible. They want to make sure that whatever they're pitching to their boss, who's going to write the check has, has a way of at least coming up with some sort of ROI on their sponsorship. So the challenge in, in your scenario is um, if you do a multiple platform event, then um, you really, I guess you're relying on the partners and not the platform itself to get behind it. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I agree with you. I think that's, that's the way they have to go because they are getting sliced up so small and it's harder and harder to do a, a platform specific event unless you make it a commercial platform specific event. And the challenge you and I both know, the challenge has always been commercial versus community. To get some money, you need to have some commercial. To have right. the community, you know, the, the, the magic to the event is the community. And I, I'm just, I guess the, the only one that I, you know, the, the biggest one that I can say that we've never pushed as a commercial event is the big damn run. And um, that, again, that just sort of happened because it happened, not because of anything else around it. And I always loved it. So I'm missing it too. Yep. 2022. By the way, I, started, I started running again. So. <laughs> oh, good. You, have you signed, I, you, I saw uh, Munich Marathon is open. So did you sign up for that? Not yet. So, so I'm, I'm getting over 30 kilometers uh, in a few weeks. So I'm, I'm making my way to the marathon again <laughs> all right yeah my run this weekend is 32k so wow yeah but you never <laughs> stopped right right uh well thomas it was great talking to you um i Same. know that we took a little bit more of your time than we had planned but this has been a great conversation and we'll definitely we're definitely going to have to do a follow-up to it we, we um, i want to learn more about oro we should we'll have to do a specific oro event What's ah, that? Okay. Maybe this. I said, if it's too long, we cut it down to 15 minutes just to commercial breaks. <laughs> Lots <laughs> of good content. We're not going to cut anything out. Good. Well, I thank, thank you. you very much for providing me the opportunity. And I hope your listeners will enjoy it. So, yep. Thank you. Magento Creative, partnering with the client to help fulfill their strategic growth, serving the world as an Adobe Gold partner and Big Commerce Elite partner. Magento, the code of commerce. This episode has been sponsored by the partner of choice for technology, infrastructure, and enterprise-level digital solutions, an AWS Select Consulting Partner, EWA Corporation, forward together.
Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.